Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. I watched the Bob Ross documentary the other day. Oh, I've not seen that. I saw it come up on Netflix and I was like, ooh, that looks like Bob Ross was actually a bad man. But um, I don't know anything about it. No, he absolutely wasn't a bad man. He's an absolute hero. What's the gist? The gist is that he got monumentally fucked over by signing the wrong pieces of paper. And there's other people that own his name and likeness who are continue to make millions and millions of dollars while his son is basically i don't know if he's broken destitute but he's not getting any of the millions and millions of dollars that his dad uh kind of wanted him to have um because he he got into the wrong deals and i suppose we could go down a whole sidebar of uh be careful what you sign um we've had yeah. our contract lawyer uh, electra on the show before and she makes sure that we're never signing anything that's uh that's going to do something like that that's going to totally screw you over but my my favorite part of the documentary was a tiny tiny quote uh bob ross said talent is a pursued interest and i just love the succinctity of that statement because it's something that i've spoken about on this show for years about how i don't believe in natural talent and i will go down a like 10 minute diatribe to get that point across and he said it in like five words or whatever it is talent is a pursued interest and i just think i i was just like what well, this is bob ross in the 80s and 90s talking about just keep doing the thing and you get and you get better at it i think that's it it's like keep doing the thing we talk about consistency so often on this show but it is the most important thing and i think we we forget that actually by just doing something a lot we become talented quite often we forget how good we are at something because we're only looking at people within our circle who are experts at that who've already gone through years and years and years of trying whereas actually we don't really compare ourselves to our peers who aren't in our industry and then think about how good we are compared to them. Yes. And I think that there's a tendency for creatives, especially to give superpowers to other creatives in their own mind and be like, oh, this this person's super duper at this thing for X, Y, Z reason. And I think also that the creatives themselves, the the ones that are being seen as the superstars, I feel like they're also guilty of it's really lovely to just be seen as like, you are this Oracle. Um, Whereas like what they don't show is like, oh, that's because I hustle, I grind. I've been working at this for X many years. All of the nights and the evenings, all of the sacrifices, all of the time not spent going out and drinking, all of the time not spent on Netflix, all of the time uh, where, where maybe relationships in my life have suffered you don't see that because I'm working for this thing that you think is a, a, an amazing gift that's come through. It wasn't gifted. It was it was earned by hard work, putting the reps in. To be successful, you have to do something great. And I think the uncertainty that most people face of not thinking that they could ever get great is what holds so many people back. And as soon as you realise, if I just keep on going at this, and I'm listening to the right advice and I'm correcting my mistakes and I'm consistently working and trying to get better, you're going to get better. Like you're going to get really good at something. And as soon as you do have a product or a service, I mean, and and you are the product or service, as soon as you have something that is exceptional, that is better than other things on the market, that's when you're going to be able to turn that into, into a living. It's like I'm I'm working with a young artist at the moment. I say I say young, she's like 29, I think. And I can see like the the I can see that she's going to be a superstar. Like you can, you can just see it. Like her work's so great. And 
She's working like part time with a photographer. She's like basically just trying to make ends meet. And the the thing that I'm really trying to get across to her is that is that just keep going. It's it's the pursued interest. So keep pursuing the interest because I think we we do talk a lot about sales and marketing. But as soon as you have a product that is good enough, as soon as you have something that people look at and are amazed by, that's when the sales and marketing market it markets itself like the the product that your work is good enough that you don't need to worry too much about reading loads of sales books or doing any techniques or you don't have to be doing loads of like nlp tricks to get people into your circle it's like no they'll come in because because you're really good one thing i've really taken from doing this show for like almost three years now is just how the guests that we get on have obviously done so many amazing things but they're not that different from the listeners of this show like you can have the same conversations with the two people and obviously this show is edited and there's so many times in this show where we end up helping out the guests and we give them advice and they're like oh I didn't think about that and initially I remember thinking like how do you not know this like you're so successful at what you do how, how do you not know this simple part of business but it's because they haven't focused on the business side of things they're focused on just getting really really good at their craft and by doing that it's then brought everything else along with it. So I think as creatives, there are two completely different routes you can approach it at. You can go the, try and become the best business you can and be okay at your craft. Mm. Or you can become amazing at your craft and become okay at business. Like I feel like you don't need to be both because as soon as one gets good, you can support the other ones. I think you've put that really nicely. That was what I was trying to get across with Chris Doe. Uh, when I was doing the Conor McGregor analogy. So Conor is not the best fighter in the world, but he is the best talker. So he makes the most money um, because people want to see him fight because he's such an engaging character. Um, And so, yeah, to to parlay that into business, that's exactly what you're saying there. It's like some people out there don't have the best work, but they are great talkers. And they are, I, I mean, I probably put myself in that category. Like I don't think I'm the best painter on the planet, but this this show helps like like people feel because we give so much on here i think people feel like they almost owe us um so they're always like happy and grateful to support our work and they're not supporting it because it's the best work in the world they're supporting it because they know they know and like us um so that's the yeah, there's quite an interesting parallel to be um to be drawn there between the between between the products and the um and the business strategies I think Grace that we had on last week is a, is such a an example. Like throughout that episode, we were like consistently reaffirming, like, "No, you, dude, you are really good at this. Like, you've been yeah. really successful." Like, and and her confidence is is like shaky, and it's so crazy when you talk to people who have achieved really really massive things, and their confidence is still is still low um because they're because they're creatives man and that's like that's what we suffer with we're all like we all question our own work and because we made it ourselves we can see every little inconsistency and mistake in the stuff that we do like when you get off stage you you think like oh i should have said this and i i should have gone for a laugh at that point and like whatever it is you do you'll, you'll always pick yourself apart and think like how you could have done something better like i listen back to this show and think oh, i shouldn't have fucking said that and it's like <laughs> and it's like but but people don't pick up on it. Like, like no one's messaging us going, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Like that's very, it's very rare that we get a message like that. Yeah. And go back to what I was talking about before. I think it's worth thinking about what route you want to go, because do you want to become someone who runs a big business or are you someone who wants to become 
a successful creative at just doing the craft. Because I think that's something that I've learned a lot over the past few years is actually like different people like different things and different people want to be heading in different directions. So understanding what actually is that you want from the start can really, really help push you in the direction that you actually need to be going. And we always talk about what Mike Bidnett said to us is what makes a boat go faster. And the lots of things can make the boat go faster, but it's heading in a direction that you actually want to go to, which I think is the most important thing. And quite often we miss, we spend time getting wind into our sails, but it's pushing us off route. And I think this is where people get really kind of bogged down in kind of all the kind of nitty gritty business stuff or like what business hacks can I get to get here? Like, how can I quickly get these social media followers? How can I do all these things quick? The hacks, I suppose. But actually, if you invest your time into just becoming the best at what you do, you will be successful. The best at any skill in the world, that person is doing well. And you don't even have to be the best in the world. You just need the best, most accessible person to the people around you. Because it's like, there are better photographers in America. But if you're in London, you're not going to fly to America unless you've got absolutely loads of money to go all the way over there to do that. You're just going to go, okay, well, who's the best around me? Like if you need a burger, you're going to go to the best burger place in town or the most convenient place to you currently. Like if you want the best burger, but you're only next to a McDonald's and you're hungry, you're not going to trek 20 minutes across town, 40 minutes across town to go and find that other product. You're just going to get what's there close to you. So it's making sure that you're the best you can be and letting people around you know that you're here to actually come and get it. I think that's that's a small balance we need to have. Like, I think you can go all in on the craft, but then if no one knows you exist, no one can find you. So I think there has to be that balance there, but I think it's making sure that the balance is weighed in becoming the best you can possibly be at your thing. So I'd say almost like 80% craft talent and then 20% business marketing. I, I think we, we hear so often from different people who say that they hate the social media side of things. And so if you're going to make that conscious decision of, I, I'm not going to do the social media thing. Well, okay, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to paint murals in the street is a great way to get noticed. Are you going to um, get into loads of different magazines? Are you going to go on the podcast circuit and be interviewed by every single podcast? Like, how how are you going to get out there? Because if you hate social media, like social media is just an easy way of getting out there. It is hard because everyone else is is already using those platforms. Um, and so I think you've got you've got to make that decision of like, am I going to fucking learn to love it? Because I think that's what you should do. Like <laughs> I, I, my relationship with social media is it's for work. Like I don't post anything about my life. There's no pictures of my family on there. There's there's nothing. It's literally just here is my work. So it's a tool. It's a tool, 100%. And so I, I'm, I'm going to be making those paintings, whether they're on social media or not. I make them. That's the work. The side effect of that is I just happen to put my phone behind me while I'm making them, which records the making of them. I spend half an hour editing that and I put it up onto onto social media platforms, Instagram and TikTok. So like, don't make it such a, such a struggle, like fall in love with the elements of it that you like. There's people that have taken time out of their day to actually follow you and like make, like spend your time interacting with them. That's a really joyous and fun thing you can do. Or 
stop fucking moaning about it and sack off social media altogether. If you're, if like, if it's not for you and you, oh, I hate the social media side of it. And all you're ever doing is like mediocre effort and getting mediocre results. Then like, don't, don't waste your time. Find another route, but you have got to find another route. It, like people aren't just going to magically come and be banging down your door for commissions. You, you've got to put, you've got to distribute somewhere. Like, like you have a loud hailer. Is that what that's called? One of those big cones that you shout through. I don't know. You've got a loud hailer and and it's it's are you literally standing on the street with your loud hailer shouting? Like that's one way to get people to notice you. It's like, how are you going to be noticed? And I really liked when you when you spoke about McDonald's because I think there's another way to look at that as well. It's like McDonald's is the convenient choice. Is you and your business and your service and your products, are you the McDonald's of your industry? Are you a let's just go with them because they're the closest. Like I'm getting something printed today. I'll go downstairs because I know there's a printer down there. They're not the best printer in the world. They're not the cheapest. They're not like, they're just the most convenient. So that's the one I'm going to go to. Is that your business? You can survive, but I don't really think that you can thrive. I think you want to be the gourmet burger. Like you want to be, or, or the vegan burger. Do you know what I mean? Because like, then you're a niche and people are seeking you out because they're going to walk past McDonald's, they're going to walk past Bleecker Street and then they're going to go to V-Burger because they because that's the specific thing that they want. And then think becoming that specific thing that people want and not becoming the McDonald's, the fast food, the easy throwaway, the accessible, I'm just there on your doorstep, I'm convenient. Don't be that kind of creative. Be a fucking gourmet burger. Because I can guarantee the people who work at McDonald's aren't, they don't love burgers like they're just they don't because if they did they wouldn't taste the way they do they love money and i think like that's the approach that that company is taking of just uh we're going to create a product we don't care about it. we're not happy doing what we're doing here we just that's a, a money fund whereas i feel like in that situation this is a, almost the equivalent of do you want to go and have a creative job working for yourself being happy what you do or do you want to just go and get a job working for someone else like it's basically the equivalent of that it's like do you want to love what you do or do you want to just work to get money to then go and pay for something to do that you love you need to make that decision i think because with the printer as an example if you love printing and you like want to work with people who are really passionate about what their product is i'm sure when you get your prints done for your artwork you don't go downstairs to the really cheap printer you find a better quality one that actually those people will care about what they're making for you and you know Dude, you're going to get a good product. that's so true i'm going to jump in there because um when i get my prints done i get them done by bicep press who uh 45 rpm previous guest on the show put me on to and they put, i spoke to the founder i've spoke well spoken to the founder at length multiple times he is such a fucking nerd when it comes mm. to printing and he gets so excited when I'll send him an image and think I say, oh, I'm thinking about making a print of this. He goes, oh my God, dude, okay, we're going to use this paper. We're going to use these inks. And he says all of this jargon that I have no idea what he's talking about. But I'm like, dude, sounds good to me. Like, I'll be guided by you. I know nothing about paper stock. I know nothing about inks. But you have clearly demonstrated to me that you are the absolute expert in this field. And your passion for printing is so contagious that you are the obvious answer of it, if someone came along to me tomorrow and said, I can do bicep press, or I can do what bicep press does for half the price. I'm not going to go to them. I'm going to stick with yeah. bicep press because I know the care and the passion that they have is worth every penny that I spend on it. And and I need someone who represent. like when you get a print, that's such a, that's such a like, 
personal, intimate thing. It sounds like I'm really over overselling it, but like, <laughs> it's so like that's my artwork recreated. So I need the best person who's going to represent me in terms of print. And for me, that's him. And and so that so yeah, that's a perfect example. So sorry to cut you off, Carol. That's right. But I think yeah, going on top of that as well, and like when it is personal, when it is a piece of artwork or something, you are going to want to have like you don't want to go to someone who doesn't care about it because that's going to ruin your own kind of association, your own love to that piece because you're like, oh well, I've got it done there, but that guy was a bit of a dick. So I actually like this thing that I've received a bit less. Um, I was round. I've got some friends who've started a wine company called Happy Pair Wines, and. We were, I was around there the other day, kind of like ha- ha- trying some of their delicious wine. And um, they were saying, like they were talking about their brand and they've been running for like six months now. And I was like, where you guys are going to win is it's not because you have the cheapest bottle of wines, because I could go and go on your website, find what wine is and I could Google it and I could 100% find somewhere cheaper because things like Majestic Wine and supermarkets exist. But the reason people are going to come to you is because you as a couple of really nice people who've got a journey who've got a story that people want to follow along with and that's why they're going to spend it i was like you could charge an extra 10 pounds for every bottle compared to what all your competitors are doing but it's about the audience and what they feel like they're getting from that like if i go down to my off license and there's a guy there behind the thing who just doesn't care and gives me a bottle of wine i'm gonna be like well that wasn't a good feeling whereas i could go to them and be like oh actually i am going to spend a bit more but I feel good about it. And I think like that's just brand. And it's like building the brand around what you do can just be being a really nice person, being enthusiastic. And it's funny when you're talking about the printing thing there, because as you were saying that, I was thinking like, well, I've got a film camera now. And I used to, when I was in Shoreditch, go down the road. The person in there, they, they just take it and they give back to you. It's not like they're super enthusiastic. They just do the service really well. Whereas I got advertised on Instagram the other day, a film company based up in Leeds, and I was like, these are just a bunch of nerds who are so passionate about this and they've gone and bought all the stuff themselves and they've started this business. And I'm like, they fucking love it. Like, I'm like, it might cost a pound more per roll, but I know that that's going to be made with someone who's actually going to be like, oh, I, I really want the colors to be absolutely perfect on this. Because to them, there is, because they love the craft, I know that they're going to put that love into it. And you know that when you get it back, it's going to be as good as it can be. So it's like I could go to, I could Google and just find a cheap, massive factory that I'm sure does them and they're going to come back. But I know that's going to be like, they might look exactly the same. But for the fact that I know one has had actual care, love and attention go into it. Yes, you're you're paying for the experience and you are their target demographic. So I think your your majestic wines and your snappy snaps, they're going to get, they're going to be really successful. Probably financially more successful than the small family run business but that's because their client like like their experience at work is not going to be the same so if you're working in the snappy snaps the client that you're getting is not you adam brazier the client that you're going to be getting is going to be mr in a rush just give me my shit and let's not have a conversation. And it's like, sometimes I am that customer and sometimes you are that customer. We, we all are yeah. that customer sometimes. It's like when we spoke to Seth Godin and he talks about finding your tribe. The family photographers, they are 
putting out into the world the energy that they are then attracting back. They're finding clients like you and you are probably like one in every 10, one in every 20 people. And I think that's what bothers most people is that we know that this that the mass market, look at somewhere like Primark selling socks for a pound and it's like that like their sales are going to be so phenomenal, their, their volume, because the people who don't give a shit vastly outweigh the people that do give a shit. But if you want to be happy at work, serving those clients that do give a shit, that care about what you're making, that want the experience that you give them for the thing that you make, those are the clients that you want for ha- to, to have a happy work life because literally mm-hmm. dealing with those give it to me now. I don't I don't want the experience. I don't want any bells and whistles. I just want to pick it up and fuck off. There's there's not much happiness to be had there in that in that interaction. To go to socks as an example, if you if you wanted to run a sock company or if you're listening to this now and you run a sock company and your socks are 30 pounds per pair of socks as opposed to 1 pound like Primark does, most people are going to be like those socks are too expensive. But like those people are going to go to Primark. All you need to do is find the people who actually care about what their socks are like and just service those people. And don't worry that you're not servicing that other 99% of the population. And I think one thing we do as kind of creatives or as business owners is we get really hung up on that. And we're like, well, how can I convert these people who currently only spend one pound of socks to like to buy my 30 pound thing? And that's so hard. That's like almost impossible. Like you might, you might, if you spend loads of effort, really convince someone maybe by letting them try it on and finding people with enough disposable income that maybe that could potentially happen. But that's so much hard work. And again, we're coming away from doing the craft. We're spending all of that time then marketing, trying to find the people, trying to convince people. Whereas, yeah, to change someone's mind is hard. If you can just find someone who's already believes what you believe, it's so much easier to sell to them. So I feel like that's what we need to focus on more. Stop trying to convince people that our product's great. Just find the people who are already looking for that. And and once you do establish yourself as that person, I think then that's when your your pricing can become so much more confident because you will be serving the people that are willing to pay a premium. And I, I think I, like, I'm really confident with my pricing because I know that there are people out there who charge more who are worse at what they at what they do? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? So it's like knowing that there's. I I think when whenever it comes to pricing a job, if you just think, because I, I know that's something that loads of people struggle with. Just look at the price that you're thinking that you're going to send them, and you'll get really really worried about it. And you'll be like, oh, they might say no, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And they might say no. Like like a lot of people will say no. That's that's part yeah. of the game. Because back to the sock analogy. 99% of people are looking for that cheap, really quick thing. They're not looking for the premium thing because they're not out there for that yet. So yeah, you're going to get a lot of no's because most people are still in that one pound mindset. Yes. And as soon as you realize that there's there's people out there, <laughs> whenever, because I, I know so many creatives are like struggling and they're, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to send this off for 500 pounds or I'm going to send this off for 1500 or whatever it is. Like, trust me, there are people who are sending off quotes for 20 grand, like a hundred grand. Do you know what I mean? There's like, know that there's someone who is doing whatever it is that you do that is just about to send a quote off that's triple what you're thinking of charging. So, and they're probably not as good as you. And in that you can grow confidence. That's that's how I look at it when I go to price something. And if I don't get it, it's like by having the higher price, you need fewer clients to survive every month. If I need a hundred pounds to survive a month, 
for simplicity's sake, because I'm not very good at maths. If I need £100 to survive in a month, then I either need 10 clients who are going to give me £10 each, or I need one client to give me £100. So if I'm only going after that one client, that means I've got 10 no's in the space of the time that it would, where I'd have to get those yeses from the 10 people who gave me £10 yeah. each. Yeah, and you can guarantee that the person who's going to pay you the £100 for what it is you want to do is going to be so much nicer to work with. It also yep. means that there's so much little, you need to spend so much less time trying to get find those people as well. Because maybe with those people who are willing to pay less, that say it would be, for example, a 50% yes or no. Like that's still 20 sets of people you have to find there. Whereas if you just look for people who are who have a bigger budget, who are willing to spend more, who care about what you do more, I think like that's an easy way to think about it. It's like, who cares the most about what you do? Because if they care about what you do, they're going to be willing to pay for it. If they don't care, they're not. And I think this is what it kind of comes down to. It's like understanding who your audience is. And I had an interesting conversation yesterday with someone who is thinking about starting a podcast and they kind of showed me their branding and I was like, I've I've no idea from what you've got written there I've no idea what you do and I was like you just need to have your name and I was like so we are now currently creative rebels dash the podcast for creatives so I was like well what is your podcast going to be this name the podcast for what and they didn't know who it was for and I was Mm. like that needs to be where you start like who is this podcast for who's going to be listening to it because if you can just tell people that it's like we are the podcast for creatives so if you're a creative and you see our podcast, you'll be like, well, that's a podcast for me. If we were, say we weren't called Creative Rebels, we were just called The Rebels. The Rebels, a podcast for creatives. You could still look at that and work out, okay, well, I'm a creative so I can go and consume that product. Yeah. If it, whereas if it's the other way around, you might, you might just completely go by it and you wouldn't understand. I think sometimes we don't tell people who we're looking at, who the audience is. Like we know who the audience is, and as so many businesses, like if you didn't know who Nike was and you just walk past the store or say you go to a different country and there's different brands on the shops and you walk past and you're like, I have no idea what that brand does or what they sell. And then maybe kind of like say the window display wasn't clear, for example. You wouldn't know what they were because it doesn't say. Whereas if you've got a logo and underneath it, it says sports or that kind of thing. Then it's like obviously like Nike are big enough now that they don't need to do that. But like JD Sports, like jjb sports when they were around like they had the word sports there because it allowed you to know what's inside it and i think as creatives this is something that maybe we need to consider like if i'm a ceramicist who am i for like who is coming to buy my products like am i a ceramicist that specializes in kind of restaurant wear like just give me something to tell me who it's for because you're not for everyone and i think we need to get out of this mindset of those kind of one pound sock people of like trying to hit the masses and we just need to try and find that simple market that we only need x amount of clients a year to sustain us and that's who we're looking for we're not trying to just be a world like like it's hard as a human i think to not want to just conquer the world and just be like i'm going to start with this product and in 10 years 20 years i'm going to be the next apple it's going to keep growing it's keep going to keep growing i'm going to earn millions and i'm going to have this massive house all these big cars and it's going to be amazing like if you go that route you're going to have to go the mcdonald's route about it of just being like you lose out on doing the craft but but if you're listening to this show i don't imagine that's you i imagine you want to be doing the thing you love every day and that's probably not probably you're not going to make millions doing that 
but you're going to earn enough to have a really good life. And I think that's where we need to set our bar is working out, okay, well, how to hit that life that I want, that I'm happy, I've got a very good income, but I'm not earning millions every year because millions, not many people earn millions every year who enjoy their jobs. So it's working out, okay, well, to get to that stage, how many clients do I need to get? Like how many of my product do I need to sell? How many of my services do I need to provide to be able to get to there? And then it's that balance as, I, as you were talking about there with kind of like, do I have £10 clients or £100 clients? With working out, well, if I've got £10 clients, I'm going to need maybe 1000 to survive. If I've got £100 clients, I need 100 every year to survive. If I can get 33 clients that are reoccurring every year for the next three years, there's my 100 clients. And if I could just keep them forever, obviously some will drop out, but then it's easier every year to just top it up rather than looking for a whole new 33 every year. So I think this is what we need to try and get in that mindset of is what is our actual goal in terms of clients? How many clients do we want? How many can we actually sustain? And then how many, like, obviously if we're creatives and we're creating a piece, then how many of those do we want to create every year? Like if I said to you, okay, well, you can do, oh, David, I'm going to guarantee you a hundred grand a year to do your paintings, but I want you to create me a thousand paintings you'd be like, well, that's impossible. I can't physically do that in this space of time. And if if I did, I wouldn't enjoy doing it. Yeah. So it's kind of like working out, okay, well, what is, obviously like you can't just be like, oh, well, I'd love to just like make one painting a year. You, you might be able to get to that stage, but the chances are you're going to want, you you love the craft. So you're going to want to be doing it. So it's like working out, okay, well, how many can I physically do? Give yourself some breaks and stuff, but then like scope, like build a model of your future and kind of your incomes and your clients around that rather than just kind of going into it blindly. So we've spoken about finding those people and looking for those people. How practically do people actually, once they have worked out, this is the podcast for, this is the artwork for, this is the whatever I do for, how do they then find those people? Go to where those people are. Like if you've got a niche, like no matter what it is, those people meet somewhere on the internet. I think that's the easiest place to start. It's like, and be in those rooms. Like this is why I think Instagram and social media is so brilliant because no matter what your niche is, there's an Instagram page for it. Like no matter how niche it is. And I would just go to those pages and like, if you, like you can either go and go to google and think okay i'm going to spend however much a month on google ads if i want to try and drive things in that way or i can go to instagram or facebook and put ads on there or you can go to where all the people actually are and give it to those people like give it to the community that you're supporting and or it doesn't even have to be in actual money like we talked about last week is having that exchange it's like well what can i do for you in exchange for what you can do for me because that's what i managed to do to grow my business i went to where the people were I found an account that was followed by lots of those people and just offered something for free to that account in exchange for promotion on it and then people from that account started to follow me and I started to get jobs from it Mm. it's just going to those rooms and I was actually thinking about this this morning because this is basically just oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley like we talk about this book all the time on the show and it's a book that everyone should go and read and when we had Daniel on the show he basically told us that when he first moved to London he held an event with all of his potential clients because he'd done this job over in Australia. But then when he moved to London, he was like, well, I know who my clients are. And this is kind of what we're talking about here. It's like, we, we once we've got, we understand who they are, then how can we get them in a room together? 
So like, for example, what I could do, because a lot of my clients are dancers, performers, is there's, I could go and hold an event at a dance studio, offer free drinks all night, get some entertainment and offer it to free for all of the people who go there. And it's like, that would, there would be so many people who now know about me because of that. And it's like, I could have spent the marketing just kind of on random ads in places, or you can create an experience for people that are then going to remember you so much better because it's like how how often do you walk past an advertisement and really care about what that is compared to going to an experience like the amount of events that have been put on that I've gone to that I've now got some form of like positive association with so for example your gallery show you had Bombay Sapphire sponsoring it and I'll remember that because it was there that evening because I can remember Bombay Sapphire being at another event we've been to previously and because their slogan is stir creativity, that's now stuck in my head. So if I go to a bar and order a gin, I'm probably going to go for a Bombay Sapphire because I've got these positive associations based on experience there. How can you get your potential customers into a room, give them an experience for free? Because that could then turn into loads of sales going forward. So you don't have to spend a fortune on an event, but maybe find a way to get a bunch of people together who will maybe have the same audience and try and put on something to entertain those people, to create something of value for those people. Yes, and as just as a quick sidebar, the, the reason that I was able to get Bombay Sapphire to sponsor my show was because of this podcast, because they, someone at Bombay Sapphire listens there. They've tweeted us about us a couple of times. So it was like a, a warm open. If you're listening to this right now, like where, how can you get those parallels in someone's head? Like how are you, where are you going to place your product where your potential clients are, that the next time they go to drink a gin, they they think of your gin. Because what Bombay Sapphire are doing is just by having stir creativity as their slogan, that's basically the same as what we were saying about the podcast for creatives. It's like they've said who it's for by saying stir creativity. They're saying we're the gin for creatives. That's what they're trying to say there. So it's like they just put themselves in creative situations. Mm. If your gallery show wasn't art-based, it was maths-based as an example. I don't know how we'd to be a gallery show but they or is a mass based event or is a yeah. seo conference they're not sponsoring that because that goes against who they say they are and who they say they're for whereas as soon as you go to them and say i'm an art exhibition we align th- they're way more likely to support you on that 100 percent, and I, I think there's some really good advice there and and if you're struggling to find those people and, and find your your potential tribe and where they where they do hang out you've always got the option to kind of become a beacon yourself so now that we've been doing this show for sort of nearly three years, seeing people who've listened from the beginning and watch their journey um, as like people who continually like comment and message us on Instagram, we, we've sort of been keeping a track on on successes. And so there's um, May Contain Nuts uh, is, is a dude who's listened to podcasts right from the very beginning. And you see how popular and successful he is now based off of like, he didn't there wasn't really anywhere where people with nut allergies would go and i mean this is like how fucking niche is that nut nut allergies but that's like that's his whole thing he's got a podcast and an instagram account and it's all about nut allergies and like he he didn't know where the people were so he just created the room himself that's always an option as well it's fucking hard work and it's taken him three years of slog to get there but like if it doesn't exist make it starting up a fair starting up something in your area maybe like not even being in your area. If you're if you live somewhere where no one buys your products, well, where can you go to that we people will buy them? I think this is something we need to remember as well. Like if we are selling a product, so for example, if 
like my we think we've talked about this before but like if i sold my photography services from a small village in scotland i'm not going to get the same clients i am being in london and like i'm one of the most like kind of central london photographers doing what i do lots of people are based out in different kind of smaller locations but it's like it's only there's that little bit of ease for people and you um and like glad hamilton told us it was go to where the people are like go to where the people who are the best at your industry are if you want to thrive in that industry and obviously like we have the internet so that does really change things in terms of selling products because you can distribute anywhere in the world and as long as you've created a community whether that is a physical market space or a physical event that people can go to or it's an online event that people can go to i think that's where the world has changed so much in the past year and a half two years because now online communities are thriving so much more because that's all people have had for so long so i think like if you have a product and you don't know where to sell it online and it doesn't exist yet maybe be the first person to make that one like to to open a instagram account to make a facebook page make a facebook forum based around a certain topic doesn't take much effort to do but all you need to do then is find let the people know that oh actually here's a space that you can come and if it doesn't exist already and you go to say you made a, a facebook group and then you found lots of different instagram accounts that had an interest in what you're talking about in that facebook group and said by the way there's somewhere we can chat over here i'm sure they would promote it because if it's something that the community is genuinely looking for then they're going to promote it because it's going to be an interest of their listeners or their viewers or followers and that's providing value so it's like how can you help someone else provide value to their audience by providing them something that's going to provide value to them and their audience yeah i, I think the the most interesting part of facebook is facebook groups um i i don't really use that platform other than to go on groups and because I, I think groups are actually really interesting um essentially they are just old forums aren't they the we used yeah. to forums and it's just sort of the modern equivalent of that but um there is a, a facebook group that i will give a, a quick plug to called creatives the creatives and I watched that. I was one of the first members in there. And I think having one of those groups really early on is so hard. If you're the person that started it, you have to be the one who is leading all of the conversations yeah. and encouraging people to post. And then when they do post, really rewarding them for that. It's it's it, it's one of those, um, in the beginning, it's a full-time job and then it just gets easier because as more people come, then they start to have those own conversations themselves and, and you can kind of step back. But in those early days, you are the one who is initiating everything. And uh, I think the guy's called Reese, um, but but he would be out going to other Facebook groups, getting into meaningful conversations and then referring people over like, oh, if you liked my advice on this, come and join the creatives over in this group. So it's that there's people already talking about whatever you're interested in. There's probably people talking about it somewhere. Can you go there, get into a meaningful conversation with them and say, oh, but we're also talking about this over here. You guys, you guys should join. It's a hard slog for the first six months to a year, I would say, maybe longer. But um, if you can if you can get a few kind of beacons of that community, if you can find almost like super fans who are really aligned with what you do, they'll probably like if they can be people that you already know, just be like come on give, give me a hand like let's get this ball rolling together um but then but now you go into that creatives group it's like if someone's got a problem 
then they're posting up, everyone's giving their advice, uh, people are sharing their rates, they're sharing um, different job opportunities that come up. So now it's a really useful resource for, for people to use. What you're talking about there in, with the forum, that applies to every business, that applies to everything. It's like if you find the people where they are, have a meaningful conversation with them, they then become part of your ecosystem. And it's like, that's all you need to do to build clients. Like I was actually looking through, so I've got, I've still got every shoot that I've ever done kind of on my computer. And I was looking through the other day because I got them all in folders and all in date order. And I was going through and I was looking at, okay, well, that was a free one. 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 That was a paid one. That was a free one. That was a free one. That was free. And it was really interesting seeing the transition slowly change from being all these free ones where I'm kind of going out there making connections and then it slowly turns into paid ones and then it kind of gets to kind of even and it kind of goes more to paid ones and I'm sure if I plotted it down on a graph it would be a really beautiful transition between just doing things for free going to the paid ones and that was because every person who comes in I have a meaningful conversation with and then they go away and tell someone else that they had this meaningful conversation and then it, the word starts to spread there naturally which I think anytime if your service is good enough if the experience they have is good good enough that they want to tell someone else about it then you've kind of hit this magical formula of like you've got a really good service you know where the people are you can go and talk to them and then they're going to spread that for you it almost becomes this nice little thing of like the same we're talking about with the forum at the start you're going to have to put in loads of work you're going to have to be there answering every question you're going to have to be there finding all the people to come in and going and doing all these different things but then it gets to a certain stage where you don't have to do that anymore because the people who are already coming to you are doing that for you and that will happen you just need to have those meaningful conversations you can't just expect that they will come to you think you're great and just hang around and tell everyone else you're great because it's just not the way the world works you have to actually engage and have these conversations with people to make them like become your friends and then like friends tell people about you like people who've just seen something don't mention it yeah, word of mouth is, is so huge. And, and we've spoken before about like the reason that this show is a success is because, thank you, you guys tell people about it. And you'll be talking to someone and they'll say, oh, I'm struggling with X, Y and Z. And they'll say, oh, well, because they'll give the advice. They'll be like, oh, well, I heard on this podcast, Creative Rebels, that you should do this, this and this. And I did it for my business and it really worked. That's like, that's the endorsement for this show. And it's like, it's it's been given in the form of advice like do you know what i mean it's like secondhand advice and and everything that we're saying is secondhand advice this is stuff that we've learned from mentors it's stuff that we've learned from guests on the show everything is an amalgamation and i just think giving giving that knowledge to people like helping people along in their journey can be so can be so huge like i'm sure both of us don't have as successful solo careers if we do, if we don't do the show not only because like one where we're hearing this stuff like regularly every week we're having these discussions and it's like kind of forming into concrete in our brains but also because we're giving so much like like i we tell everyone everything that we know on purpose like and that builds up goodwill so whenever we need people's help on something like they're happy to help us because we've given hours and hours of like of this advice everyone who's told someone about this show firstly thank you but also by telling someone else, then it's like they've helped someone. And then that person who they've helped is then indebted to them in some way. And it's like, if you like, if someone's struggling and you can give them the answer to something, they're going to thank you to, for that. And that's going to increase your status with them. So it's like, cr by having a product that 
people want to share because it's going to increase their own status. It's like just this beautiful cycle. And I think that can only happen when the work is good enough, which we come back right back around to the start is about talent. It's like, if you want to get good enough, you've just got to put in the work to do that. And it all comes back to like a lovely cycle of like, if you just get really good and provide something really valuable, you will do well. Simple. <laughs> now you just got to go and do it. This is the this is the thing, isn't it? It's the taking the action. Because if you've if you've now listened to this episode, we've been going sort of about forty five minutes, and we like that. That is, I mean, I'll take the Pepsi challenge on it. Like, I don't think we're wrong. I believe everything that we've said to be fact. Now all it comes down to is, are, are you going to go and do it? Like, do you, have you got the grit and the determination to? If you're if you're not there yet, if the feedback on whatever it is you do is not like incredible and amazing, and people are saying, "Please let me give you money for this," like, have you got what it takes to keep on going until you do get to that stage? Because it's just time. It's just time and dedication and patience. If you can come back to us in three years' time and go, "I knuckled down," like, guaranteed you'll see the results. You will. You like all of those things that you're thinking like, oh, this is this is what I want to do. This is the thing that I that really excites me. This is the thing that I think I've been put on this planet to do. Like, have you got three years to fucking plow into it? I gar- I guarantee you something will change because they, you can't put that much energy into something without something resulting from that energy coming into it. Yeah, it's basically science. Like if you put loads of energy into something, the energy doesn't disappear it amalgamates and becomes something bigger. And that's basically what you need to do. Just keep going and keep putting the energy in, keep learning, keep getting better, keep making those connections. And I say keep, like it's kind of what we talk about every week of still, like what are you, what's consistent? What is something you've never stopped doing? So it's like, what are you, what are you going to do? It's like what you've just spent, yeah, as David said, like kind of 45 minutes listening to this show. What's the action you're going to take from it? Like get, if you're on your phone now, write down what your action is. What is the main three, two or three points that you've taken from this episode and what are you going to do going forward? I think this is one of the most important things where people will spend so much time consuming and not creating. And it's like when we talked to Tyler Babin, that was kind of the main summary of that episode was the amount of time we spend consuming compared to creating. And we need to really assess that and try and flip that on its head. Like go through your phone, look at how many hours you spent on social media just scrolling and turn that time into creativity time turn that time into learning what you do because like time is talent and it's like if you keep going down that route you will become talented and people will start employing you for it and you will be happy doing what you're doing it's just putting the energy in to get there which i think it's very easy in today's society because of all the technology because of everything that's grabbing our attention to actually be like hey i need to step back from this I need to do what Nir Eyal says and be indistractable. I need to be that person who doesn't consume all the time. I need to be a creative. I need to not be a consumer. Yeah, I, I love podcasts because of what they do to my brain. And I, I feel everything firing and I go off, like I'm still listening to the show and I, and I go off down all of these tangents and I'm thinking, okay, well, if I do this and I did this. And the number one thing is writing those lessons down. I just write them in my in my notes on my phone. Like I'll, I'll if I'm like, if I'm walking, I'll like stop and literally, I'll literally like stop and um, write everything down so that, so that it's not forgotten. And then it can be put into action. I think like, if you're like, you're listening to this now and all of those synapses are going off in your brain and you've got all of these big plans and all of these things that could happen and will happen. It's, 
taking the action is the important thing. So like set an alarm for tomorrow when you're not feeling like this because you're not listening to us. You've got that alarm that reminds you of that feeling that reminds you like this is this is what I'm here to do. And because it's what I'm here to do, it's not going to be fucking easy. I've got to put the work in. And if I cannot be work shy because going and fucking watching a Bob Ross documentary on Netflix, that's easier than actually doing the thing and putting the work in. Remembering that, if you can con- conquer that that hurdle, man, great great things are on the horizon. Trust me, because we've we've been there and we've done it. Like, is this is not theory? This is this is factual. This is stuff that we have done. When we listen to stuff and we get a bit fired up and we're like, oh, that's so good. I can't wait to go and do that. I feel like one thing that's really important to do is just go and do it like straight away. Because I think when we have that little adrenaline rush of like, oh, I'm really like pumped up. Or like I really want to go and do this thing. Then go and do it. Like drop whatever else you've got planned going for the rest of today because you weren't hyped to do that. It's just something you have to do. Just put that off and just go and do the thing that's going to push you forward. And to take it back to a phrase, does it make the boat go faster? It's like when the wind's blowing, fucking get in your boat and start heading because it's not always there giving you that momentum that you need. So make sure that if it is blowing, make, like use that as fuel to push you forward. Like don't wait until you wake up. Oh, it's fine. I'll, hopefully the wind will be still going to be tomorrow because the chances are it won't. Like it, it comes in short gusts and then you need to make the most of them when they're actually there. So turn this podcast off right now. Go and share this episode on Instagram and then get to fucking work. <laughs>